Welcome back to Back in My Play. This is episode number 25. This time we're going to be talking about Metal Storm on the Nintendo Entertainment System. My name is Kevin Larrabee, and first off, our special guest back for, I think, his third or fourth appearance on the show, whether it be one of the uh, regular episodes or doing a Google Hangout, Greg Stewart from Player One Podcast. Greg, how are you doing? Hi, I'm great. Thanks for having me back. Also from Generation 16, which is uh, coming up on a new episode very soon. Uh, yeah, as long as I don't keep finding reasons to uh, to make the episode even longer. Hey, no problem. No problem, man. <laughs> Got plenty of time. We also have Josh Hillier from Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> what, what an introduction. Um, and Train yeah. of Thought, available on Amazon.com right now. There you go. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. if you want to read some good sci-fi, um, some hard sci-fi. Some yeah, oh, actually it's soft sci-fi. Anyway, Amazon, Kindle, Train of Thought. Um, hey, I, I have to do my introduction though. So here we go. Um, gas prices right now are approaching four dollars in the United States of America. With that in mind, I had to trade in my Honda Accord and I switched to an M three hundred eight, so that I can bypass traffic, walk on the underside of all sorts of buildings and bridges, and get places a little bit faster without any explosive damage. All right. Well, that's going to be the start of episode 25. We're going to be taking a quick break, and then we're going to be talking about the history of Metal Storm. So stick around. We'll be right back. History of Metal Storm is relatively short. It came out in North America on February 1991 and then in Japan, April 24th, 1992. Obviously, there's a little bit more exact date for the Japanese release. The developer was Tamtex and it was published by IREM. Tamtex actually was later bought by IREM and brought in as a uh, developer under their umbrella. There are a couple differences between the Japanese and the North American version, mainly an animated cutscene that starts up at the beginning of the screen. You can, however, unlock this with the use of a Game Genie, so it's another reason to own one of those fantastic devices. The mechanics were really what set this game apart from everything else. That was really a run-and-gun action game, but you had this gravity jump mechanic that allows you to flip your gravity from the bottom of the screen to the top of the screen. There was also an interesting set of power-ups from weapons like the power shot, the gravity fireball, and also the shield, and also items like armor that allowed you to go from one-hit kills to two-hit kills. Obviously, one-ups, bonuses where you can gain an extra 5,000 points, and crush, which destroys all enemies on the screen. So not your Contra level or... Uh, Kirby level of uh, power-ups, but you definitely had some things available for you at the time. Uh, Interesting thing about this game is that it was on the 22nd issue of Nintendo Power that was for the March 1991 issue, and it also had a 12-page article on the game, including a lengthy strategy guide. Uh, The issue is, quote, power meter. This is the review uh, meter that they use to uh, review games in Nintendo Power. 
Uh, Metal Storm got a 3.8 out of 5 for graphics and sound, a 3.7 out of 5 for play control, which was you know how we really graded things back then, and 3.7 out of 5 for challenge and lasting interest, and a 3.7 out of 5 for theme and fun. How do you end up with all these 3.7s? I mean, like... <laughs> Were, Did they just decide, well, this is definitely not a 3.9. It's about two-tenths of a point well, lower. Well, how do you look at the – dude, look at the IGN score, which is 100 points. I know, but – and especially for 3.7 for, like, everything. Well, um, yeah. Why that specifically? It's just, it's just kind of crazy looking to me. Nintendo Power in general at the time was really hard on reviews. Yeah. Like, you didn't really get anything. Like, even anything above a 4.5 was, like, greatest of all time. Uh, even some of like the Nintendo published releases, which you think would have a little bit of, you know, bump it up a couple points since we're kind of paying for the magazine. Uh, even those games didn't always get like the super high uh, review marks. They were really no short things. Yeah. yeah. It's like a Harvard right. professor. Nintendo was hardcore, baby. They were. They, I think they were uh, not given the respect that they deserved as a uh, reviewing body. But like I said, they were hard. They were the edge. Of the time to- of 1991, are we talking about you two, the band, or yep. the magazine? Yep, the band, both. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Over the edge. That is the history of Metal Storm. We're going to take yet another break. We're going to be coming back with the memories and history, our personal history of Metal Storm. So stick around. We're back in 1991 with our issue 22 of Nintendo Power. We get a fresh new strategy guide, so we're ready to go into Metal Storm. I got issue 22 in the mail. Josh, I think you did too, but we were believe it. We we saw, you know, 3.7, man. I, I only got, you know, 50 bones every six, uh, six or seven months. This isn't going to go towards Metal Storm. So I don't think we played it too much. But Greg, I know that you did when it was actually relevant and one of the hot releases yeah but i didn't i didn't pay full mu- full price for it i just rented it you guys are suckers oh wait full price for things <laughs> oh you mean like gamefly yeah that's it you just so got they, online they mailed it to you it's, what are you doing no you must have mom and pop stores around you to rent things yeah we had popcorn video popcorn video and we also had um it's not real kevin just talks about it no, but we we told popcorn videos where I uh, rented my copies of Zelda, and it was also where I was forced to rent Sesame Street games when I wasn't doing good in school. <laughs> like, holy crap, that's a story for another day. But wow, that uh, that's got there's some history there that I think we'd all want to find out about. But anyways, no, Clay Fighters, where he really battles his internal demons. Yeah, my parents were. That's how they damaged me because they knew how I like. I lived and died for this stuff back then, and they knew if I, like they wanted to get me to straighten up, we're just gonna make them get Sesame Street one, two, three, or something like that. So that is wild. Um, anyways, uh, Greg, when you were playing it, when the NES was actually a hot platform, uh, what were your impressions of it? Were you were you impressed? I I thought it was I thought it was okay. Um, I mean, I was a big big Robotech nerd, so anything that you know had a mech in it that you get to play as a mech. It's like, well, I gotta, I've got to play this. Um, and I really liked the idea of, you know, being able to switch gravity and all that sort of thing and, and being able to shoot in four directions was pretty cool. 
But honestly, it didn't leave a big impression otherwise. Like I remember thinking it was pretty neat, and then I took it back, and I don't think I ever played it again until you said that we were going to be talking about Metal Storm <laughs> on your show. Um, yeah, I mean, it kind of it had nice graphics. It had kind of that same same idea that like you see in Sunsoft games where you'd have pretty detailed sprites, but they're they're uh, monochromatic. Yeah, you know, which I always thought was kind of a brilliant way to get around the whole idea of um, of the color limit on on the NES was just like you know make the worlds really colorful and make your character one color but give them a lot of detail. So I dug that. It was it was a cool game overall, but it wasn't anything that I was crazy about. I didn't have to rent it over and over again until I beat it or anything like that. You so the gravity mechanics didn't do anything for you. I they were okay, but yeah. They had gravity it, mechanics in McKids as well. McKids. Yeah. Well, that game did have a lot going on, you know, when you think about it. <laughs> you and McKids. Did you, um, <laughs> being a big Robotech guy, there weren't a lot of games available that had mechs in it, at least in the United States. I know you go to Japan mm. now and you see like 400 different Famicom games that have mechs in it, like from RPGs to action games. Yeah, I don't think there were. I'm I'm trying to think back to to any, but I, I can't think of any on the Nintendo that at least that stand out. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember renting the um, 101 cartridge that was going oh, around yeah. back then, and that actually had uh, a copy of Macross on it. Yep, um, which was wildly disappointing. Um, so yeah, it, it was it was cool to have a decent mech game, I guess, but it just wasn't anything you really saw. Um, back then, and this was right around the time that I was starting to get really interested in the Genesis too, because I got my Genesis right around early '91. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, yeah, this is really neat, and boy, I, I want to play Altered Beast. I was a little bit misguided, but um, <laughs> still, you know, it, it 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 is. It's a really it's a really sort of standard late NES game where it was impressive, but at that point, a lot of the bigger releases were really impressive on the NES, so it didn't really stand out. Josh, for for you, what were you into? You know the mech scene. I know you you've talked that you were a, and probably my same thing. My only real experience with with mechs or, or getting into it, I wasn't really a, even a Transformers guy. But it was, you know, the the Megazord and Power Rangers and stuff like that. Yeah, I think that was my first major mech thing. We were a few years behind Japan on that one in the United States. So, uh, yeah, it was just Power Rangers. I, I rented Metal Storm, just like I rented a ton of games back then. Oh, no way. Okay. What'd you yeah. think? Um, I liked it. I liked it. I thought it was really cool. Like, I, that's why I was asking um, Greg, you know, about the gravity thing. I thought that was just so impressive. Um, I mean, at Something the same time, you'd never, see, you'd never seen that before in a game, pretty right. much. Yeah, yeah. So that stood out to me. It's like they're doing this on an NES. Like, mm. it'd be one thing <laughs> if this was on the Genesis or the SNES, but this is an NES. Yeah. So um, I thought that was a, a really big deal, and uh, then it then I just never thought about the game again. Kind of like what Greg was saying, it, it's 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 cool, and it's it really stands out while you're playing it, and it's very competent, and has those neat mechanics. But it you're not really dying to play more of it a week or two later. So I could see how you because I had a similar experience, Greg, where I didn't play it again for like well twenty years. Yeah. 22 years. It's really one of those games that falls into the category of, you know, forgettable rentals. There's so many, like we talk a lot on the show, like, yeah, I went to the, you know, rental shop and I 
rented this game all the time. Like but, four times, yeah. But there's also so many of these games that we rented and that like for, for me, I remember getting chicken pox and my parents rented me X-Men, the LGN uh, oh, wow. version. Mm. And even though I was at home all day from school sick and I could do whatever, uh, I played it for like 30 minutes and then didn't want to play it anymore. Like the totally forgetful uh, game. So I guess for, for both of you guys, it's kind of it wasn't you know, a bad game, but it wasn't a game where, oh, next time I go to the store, if they don't have Mega Man 5 here, I'm just going to pick up Metal Storm again and, and try to get a little bit farther through that. It's weird, though, because, you know, when you look at it, it's it's a pretty quality game. And, and mm-hmm. it, it definitely, you know, when you, you describe games the way you did, like they're forgettable and you'd never rent them again. I'm thinking usually more along the lines of like Platoon or something like that, like a, a bad a total recall, like a bad game. <laughs> But it's not. It's really not a bad game. It just it's I guess it's pretty middle of the road. Like I said, the the, the quality bar on the NES had gotten so high at that. It point, really had. You know, and there were a ton of games and they were all side scrollers for the most yeah. part. And so this was another side scroller. Um so really the only thing that made it stand out from the others was the gravity mechanic when you think about it. Yeah. I guess so. IREM was really new to me back then i really didn't get a, a sense of the the company itself until our type came around with super mm-hmm. nintendo uh so it didn't even it wasn't even like one of those things where oh i went in and i saw konami on the box or something like that and or i saw ultra and i really wanted to try that out because i've had some success with those games in the past and it's not something that my mm-hmm. parents recognized as a a name brand a, a mario or uh, a Mega Man, something that they knew that me and my brother would like to play or anything like that. So we just, we never got exposed to it. And that's unfortunate because we, like I said, we had Nintendo Power. We saw it. It was on the cover and it still didn't do anything on the cover and in the pages of the magazine. It really didn't look that different uh, to me at the time. And I was a whole five years old. So when I was looking through those pages, I was more or less just like looking for things that stood out because I wasn't necessarily at a like Nintendo Power wasn't a super high reading level, but at five years old, I obviously wasn't reading uh, the magazine fluently. It was more just like, oh, that looks cooler. Oh, you know, I like the look of those. It was kind of cool in the, in the magazine. They would also do like drawings on the side of the screens and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So you'd at least get some idea of what the game was like or the characters or the story or whatever. Um, but this is a game that was just totally. Like vanilla ass did not stand out to me at all, and I couldn't understand that there was even a gravity mechanic, or if that would appeal to me. So uh, you guys lucked out getting to check it out uh, back when it came out, because I, I do think it is a, a pretty interesting game. Um, I, if unless you guys have anything uh, else, I think we should take another break, and then we should talk about replaying this game in 2014. I just wanted to say um, something that I just thought about um, while you were talking yeah. about that is. Kind of like I think an apt comparison for it today would be something like Binary Domain. Um, if mm. you guys remember that game from the 360, PS3, and PC. Yep. Um, you know, it's a, it's a good game, but like it doesn't, when you just look at it, it doesn't look like it stands out. It looks like it's, oh, this is a Gears of War, Vanquish kind of game or whatever. Um, third person shooter, stop and pop, whatever you want to call it. But it's. But it actually had some really interesting mechanics and a setting that you don't see all of the time. Um, but it was, you know, kind of forgotten for the same reasons. There's That's no the big game bow. What are you talking about, man? 
If they yeah. had a character like Big Bo in that magazine, I would have been all over it. <laughs> like, wait a second. <laughs> you just oh, Big stop Bo. and, yeah. All right, let's uh, take a quick break. We're going to be right rubbing back. Rubbing your hands together, looking at the magazine. I know. I just I wanted cool characters. Anyways, uh, okay, yeah. stick around because we're going to be talking more about Metal Storm in just a second. back in 2014 and we are really shoveling out the cash to pick up this game because it is hard to find and even today looking on ebay games uh, copies of this game are going for like 65 or 70 dollars just for the game not even talking about the box and the instructions that's getting into the 130 to 150 dollar range for one in good quality so if you're going to play this game before just as uh, public service announcement i'm gonna say try it on your computer for like five or ten minutes and then if you really want to invest you can go to ebay and pick it up because it is not available on the virtual console and there's really no uh, legal way to pick it up except for getting the actual chips and the cart and putting it into a nintendo or a famicom and even the famicom version is like 50 or 60 dollars as well so mm-hmm. you can't even get a break going that way but uh i was crazy enough to to buy this and luckily i bought it about a year ago so it was a little bit cheaper then and uh we're going to be talking about it but i want to pass it off to greg first because he is our guest so i would love to know greg you know what were your thoughts looking at this game literally 23 years later um the first thought that i had when i turned it on was that it actually moved a lot slower than i expected it to um for some reason yeah. i had it in my head that it was like this really really fast-paced uh shooter because i remember that it was difficult so i kind of assumed that that was the reason why um but the other thing that really captured me uh is the sort of the technical feats like i mentioned before that i thought the graphics were really nice especially the the main character but the parallax scrolling, like on the Nintendo, on the NES, that's you didn't you didn't see that because the system technically couldn't do it, mm-hmm. right? They, they they said that they couldn't do it anyway, and um, and then you get to what what is it like level two or level three, and then you have like two levels of parallax scrolling going in the background because you've got those lasers that are moving up and down based on on how you're moving through the level, and, um, right? You know. But I also the other thing that I really love is I actually really do dig the whole gravity switch uh, mechanic more now than I did then because it's it's actually a really really strategic shooter more than I remember it being. Um, like, like I say, especially the further into the game you get, like there's like I said, I think it's the second level um, where the, basically the the level just uh, sort of is, has an infinite uh, vertical scroll. So you know. Oh yeah. Which you're not expecting because the first it's it's kind of cool the way they do it because in the first level you're kind of in this hallway so they're introducing you to it very gently where it's like okay if you change gravity you go up on the roof and everything else goes up on the roof with you and you know I like that when you switch gravity the gravity switches for absolutely everything else in the level too like all the enemies have their own gravity and it's all based on what you're switching um, but then you go into the second level and it's like okay now I can pretty much fall endlessly. Uh, in either direction here, no matter how I change the gravity. And it kind of lends a whole new element to the gameplay that I, I really dig. I didn't expect to like it as much as I did. 
Yeah, that's a really those are great observations, especially um, that you remembered it as being faster than it is in reality. Mm. Um, because that was the exact same thing I brought into it. I was like, okay, this is going to be like Gunstar Heroes, right, or something like that. Um, and then, oh, okay, it's not. There's no like turbo button or anything like that to make you move faster. You're always, you know, just sort of walking. And the reason for that, you kind of touched on that, is the um, is the fact that you have to be strategic in how you use gravity. And you kind of have to think about, well, how am I going to get through this area? It's not as simple as just pushing to the right always and shooting um, like some run-and-gun games tend to be. So uh, the gravity stuff, and for those, we, we keep calling it, you know, the gravity elements and things like that. But we haven't been, I don't think we've been completely clear about what this means for someone really. who hasn't seen the game yet. So, like, if you're familiar with VVVVVV, right, it's six Vs, I think. Yep. Um, the PC game, it's on 3DS. Uh, it's on some other platforms, I'm sure, as well. A really cool indie game by Terry Cavanaugh from uh, a couple years ago. Anyway, um, you when you jump in that game, you can choose to like kind of push up and then end up standing on the ceiling, essentially. Just like think of it as a room where you have a floor and a ceiling, and so you're standing on the ceiling, and but the but the camera doesn't change or anything like that. Um, and so then when you jump, the gravity still pulls you back towards the ceiling at that point. You've shifted the gravity um, to where that's acting as if it's a floor. Does that make sense to the listeners, you think? Yeah, and if, you're, and if you haven't played VVVVVV, uh, which you should, it's really good. Yeah, it's um, cool. it, But you've played, you mentioned Gunstar Heroes before. There's actually a whole level in Gunstar Heroes that's exactly like this game um, in the minecart stage. Oh, yeah. Where you, when you jump, if you hold the button, you switch gravity in there. That's exactly the way Metal Storm plays. I think you guys are really playing down the fact that tons of people played Mick Kids growing up. And th- <laughs> this is in the first stage of Mick Kids. There is a severe uh, uh, gravity element in that game that allows you to find secret areas and potentially bounce higher than you could from the sure. bottom of the screen. So. so I guess the whole time we were talking about that, people were just screaming, yeah, yeah, my kids, we they, know about I bet they, yeah, we get this it. audience, they were. Yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> that's true. They get it. Half the reviews on iTunes say, "Yeah, why aren't they doing Big Kids yet?" <laughs> the show would be really all good the negative reviews on iTunes. Um, yeah, all so right. This is directly for you guys. Um, gonna, anyway, cool game. Yeah, I'm going to jump in a little bit because I uh, I was really excited to see what you guys were going to say in terms of impressions impressions from like 1991 or whenever you played it when the NES was relevant because. I think this game uh, is really interesting because it throws something new at you really pretty much at every level after the second level. Like I think the first three levels are pretty easy. Like the bosses are super easy on normal and uh, you're able to kind of blow through it. Even if you haven't played it before, you're kind of going to get the gist of it. But uh, Greg, like you said, in the second level, you're like, you can constantly be falling, you know, from the uh, bottom of the screen to the top of the screen and keep going until you land back on a platform or vice versa. And you also have to have uh, a sense of where spikes are and where enemies are going to be placed and things like that. So uh, the way I kind of looked at it is in terms of my impressions that it it was really uh, a great game for doing different things that made you constantly think about your actions before you did it. It wasn't like a, mm-hmm. uh, a contra game where you could just constantly be, you know, jumping from place to place. You kind of knew where where the enemies were going to be because you needed to maneuver around so many obstacles and use that gravity mechanic to uh, get around. It's not even like 
I, I started to get reminded of Mario Galaxy. There's a couple levels where uh, gravity is flipped, but it's not something that you really have control over. It is mm. uh, simply a mechanic of on the ground, there's arrows pointing up, so the gravity is going to be flipped, so that now you're on the ceiling and vice versa. But uh, how you kind of have to think about when that gravity is going to be flipped, depending on how you time your jumps. The uh, mm-hmm. Again, I, I wrote down the parallax scrolling thing, too, because uh, that's something that, and really, technically, uh, the game is impressive. Talking with Mike Micah a couple times on the show about how developers will use that like limited color set to really do some impressive things. And you can see that they're doing it with the animation of the mech itself. Uh, it is first really detailed, like the mech is really detailed, although it's kind of like a, I guess you'd call it like a chibi uh, mech. It's kind of like short and fat. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're going to explode a lot. And you can, <laughs> see, you can see that they sure put are. in, yeah, they put an effort into that, um, you know, exploding animation. Like it almost looks like there is, like you can see the anime influence is what I'm saying. Even though mm-hmm. we didn't get that cut scene, even though it's on the cart, you need the Game Genie to unlock it. But you can see that anime influence and just how it explodes. Like even that, I'm like, holy crap, that it's stupid. But that explosion looks really good. It really does. <laughs> and it looks like a, like someone just put like a, a cartoon film over the video game because it looks, it almost looks out of place. That's how yeah. good it looks. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's characteristic of a late NES game, I think. For Some sure. of those visual, visual tricks once they figured out the hardware to that extent. For sure. Um, and I think we should definitely talk about difficulty in a second. But uh, a couple of things I, I'd like to notice uh, or mention. I, I can't remember if I did this last episode. We talked about Yoshi's Island, and I mentioned to I, I wanted to mention the minimal HUD or how there was actually no HUD on the screen. Josh, did I ever say that? I don't think you did. Oh, crap. All right. Well, anyways, Worst episode ever. Worst episode ever. And it came up in this game as well because really all that you have on there uh, is a timer on the bottom left-hand side and you have your score, but there's really nothing that separates it. It kind of gets washed into the background because it's just Mm -hmm. white text, uh, which is probably a good way to do it because it allows you to see as much of the screen as possible. And this is at a time where you had Super Mario Brothers that used like a good – maybe like a sixth of the bottom of the screen or even Kirby uh, that did the same thing. Like you had that whole bar at the bottom. So it was more almost like a a letterboxed version of Mm. the game, at least from the bottom portion of it. And uh, I don't know. I think that's probably Irem's background though, you know, making shooters where screen real estate is so important Mm. that you can constantly see in order to dodge bullets. Well, you see it in later games for sure. Yeah. So I think that uh, that's a good observation that they, that they brought that into metal storm. Well, I, I mentioned that the first three levels are easy, and it really starts like it hits the fan once you get to uh, level four. But before we talk about the difficulty, I just want to say at least they gave us generous checkpointing uh, in the stages. Mm. You get to start, you know, there's each stage is broken up into three parts. So you are able to start from like uh, two two instead of like having to go back to two one. Even after you continue, you still start at two two. Uh, the only time that that won't happen is at a boss battle. Uh, where right. you'll have to go back to two two before getting back to uh, the boss itself. But Greg, for for you, I I'm gonna say I did not finish the game. I gave up. I was <laughs> I wasn't I was almost aggravated, but it was just like I'm not even at, mad at myself. It's just like for me, this is just impossible. But what did you think? Yeah, it it I mean it is, and it's funny because when I jumped into it thinking that it was sort of fast paced when I first started playing it, I was running through that level. And I'm like, this is stupid. I'm not. 
I, I keep dying like really silly deaths because I'm just hurrying through. And when I slowed down and I really started to really, you have to start coming at it. Well, you have to change up your strategy every level, but I was enjoying it because, um, kind of had that old school, you know, uh, enemy memorization and things like that. And, um, the fact that they changed things up too early in that second level, it feels more like a puzzle game. Um, and it was a little bit rough at first, but then I, you know, I, I figured out the good a good path through the level. And then you get to that stage where you're in that box in the fourth scrolling area, mm-hmm. and it's a completely different game all over again, right? And you have to you have to use sort of the same strategies with your with your uh, gravity switching, but in a totally different way. So um, the game's hard. Uh, I forget what level I got to. But I, I did quit. But it was kind of like the same thing as you. I wasn't mad at the game. And I feel like if I went back and kept playing, I was going to get past the spot that I was stuck at. Um, I, I think that sort of sums up the game, to be honest. It it does a really good job of being difficult, but not cheap. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it just takes a little bit of extra play. And it is a relatively short game. Um, so the fact that it does have that, that difficulty level, I think is, is a good thing, but it's not so difficult that you want to throw the controller down within the first five minutes. Like I felt like every time I started a level over again, I was making more progress and that's like extremely important, especially for an older game like that. Wait sections only, even if we're talking of like from two, one to two, two, like two, one, but that first part of that stage might take you a minute and 30 seconds or two minutes to get past once you get it down. Uh, so even if you do die, you might only lose 30 seconds or a minute of progress. It's not like you're trying to get to a checkpoint that is five minutes away or right. getting to the uh, end of a stage mm-hmm. in like Castlevania and then having to go all the way back to the beginning and then fight through that whole part again. Uh, you are able to kind of just keep jumping back in over and over. One of the and other so, things, too, sorry, just, to, yeah, just on. to one more thing that I meant to mention earlier that I really, really like to talk about level variety, boss variety in mm-hmm. this game like you fight every boss completely differently in this game which is also sort of unexpected but really really a really nice uh, nice element to it like from that first level where you're or that first boss where you're kind of just placing yourself and avoiding a few shots in order to hit like the the weak spot that keeps appearing in one of three areas but then like you're you're up against like a wall of lasers and then you're on this there's this one boss where you actually ride it's in three or four segments and you're actually riding the segments while you're trying to destroy them at the same time. And it just, there's a ton of variety in a, in a pretty small experience. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Both from the levels to the bosses. Um, So I think it's what, an eight level game, something like that. Yeah. There are, yeah, there are seven levels total, seven levels total. And then a final boss maybe is what I'm thinking of. That's not the final boss on the uh, seventh stage. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. Um, But at the same time, each one of them feels very unique and worth playing. And um, this is a game that has a password system. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can't remember if we mentioned that earlier in the episode or not. And uh, I would recommend anyone who (laughs) hates level four um, while playing it, (laughs) uh, just go on and put in the password, look it up online, put in the password for five and play the rest of the game. Um, I might have had to do that. Which level? Level four is what? It's your when you're in the box and you're okay. yeah the one you were talking That's, about a minute ago. That is ago. pretty rough. Yeah. Well, it's just a, it's it, it's causing you to com- like look at a action platformer completely differently because it's not even like it's not even auto scrolling because you also <laughs> you're locked in a box like a 
uh, you know, whatever it is, uh, a box that almost fills up the whole screen, but not. So you can kind of see what's coming beforehand. But mm-hmm. you have things that are uh, firing at you from all over the place. And for me to get past that stage, I just really got into the obviously you get pattern recognition down, you kind of build your own path for yourself. But uh, also, I was starting to just avoid stuff altogether. And absolutely, uh, there's one power up that allows you when you do that jump, when you jump from the bottom to the top of the screen, you are invincible. uh, And you kind of are allowed even able to uh, use it as an attack on enemies. So Mm -hmm. you'll go right through bullets, you'll go right through obstacles and things like that, as long as you don't land and then actually be on top of an enemy that still has health left, uh, it was super valuable. So for me, that's how I got past that stage. And and I love that they even change it up at the end of that stage, too. You get to that point where there are those turrets um, that, at least I, I didn't expect it, like you destroy them, but then it, the they, there's like this little glowing dot. The first time it happened, like, why? What is that doing? And then the thing regenerates. And starts mm-hmm. firing at you again. I'm just like, of course it does. Why would I expect that? <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, oh man, a pickup. This must be like invincibility yeah. or something like that. Oh wait, actually, I, I just me. spawned on top of me and I just yeah. exploded because <laughs> we 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 mentioned the difficulty, but uh, or I mentioned it in terms of the history of the game. But it is a one hit kill game where at the most you're able to get armor which allows you to take two hits. So you really have to make sure that you have this rhythm down and you get the controls locked in. There's even on the third stage uh, where you're having to uh, avoid spikes, where you have to like kind of lock in these jumps perfectly because if you hold down too hard, it's kind of like Bubble Man. If you think of the Bubble Man stage in Mega Man 2, wow. where if you hold down jump too long, you'll you'll die. Uh, it's the same idea minus the water. So the floats are a little bit jumpy and you can jump relatively high. So, yeah. Anyways. Great game. A uh, couple things that I wanted to uh, throw in Good there. game. It's, yeah, it's a good game. I, sa- I said great game, but then I changed my answer to good game. No, I think it's, I think it's a great game. I think it is a ver- very – it is a game that everyone that is into the NES should play because you can see what a developer that really wants to change it up every single level. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. you say Super Mario Brothers Street, man, it's like something new every world – but like this was something not new. to this extent. Yeah, but this is something new every stage. And mm-hmm. uh, again, I think it is why this game is so expensive is because even though there's limited copies, like people are willing to drop the dough because it is something that they might have not ever experienced anything like it on the NES. Uh, and like Greg, you said, it was kind of pushing the boundary boundaries. Like Josh said, it was something that you'd almost expect on the Super Nintendo. Like, yeah, this was. Man, this game just had a lot of good stuff going on, and then pretty rem- good music too. We haven't talked about that yet. Uh, well, I I think the I I think the music's only good for the first like two stages, three stages. <laughs> to be yeah, well, you are hearing it a lot in level four, and you hear the start start of that song over and over and <laughs> over again. And I mentioned, guys, level four is really hard. Like it's, it, it is unreasonable, honestly. Five is no doubt easier, but even we were talking off the air a little bit. In stage five, you five you constantly have a wall of laser that is closing yeah. in on you from yeah. the left side of the screen. So you're, you have to keep up the pace. It's not like, all right, I'm going to approach this cautiously. I'm going to just go with step by step. No, you, and again, not to use like a Mega Man, think Mega Man 2 specifically, but it's like Quick Man. Like you have some death that is coming from above at all times where you have to, or this 
from the left, but uh, you have to constantly keep moving. And if you make, make a mistake, one hit kill, you're screwed. So guess what? You're starting all over again. Mm-hmm. And that goes into the second part of that stage as well. Like it's, I went into that second part of the stage five and I'm like, oh, great. It's not behind me anymore. And then two seconds later, oh, great. It's there. <laughs> I'm screwed. Um, so I think, I think it's worth trying out. And it's a shame that whole IRAM crap with the, the digital content, like you can't get R-type games yeah. anymore on PSN and stuff like that where you mm-hmm. can't buy this on a virtual console or some kind of uh, digital distribution site where you can just say, all right, I'll give you my five bucks and I'd love to, to give you the money. This is one of those cases where I'd say, yeah, you might want to just check out the ROM because it is dropping a lot of money on an NES game that is 23 years old. Yep, absolutely. And it's not going to encourage the developers that there's interest in the game or anything like that. I mean, you're just paying for something that had a limited print run, you know, and you're paying a lot for it. Yeah. All right, uh, stick around. We have a gigantic force segment coming up, <laughs> and there is tons of stuff for, if you're into retro games, you're going to want to stick around because I got some top secret pro tips, hot, from the uh, tips and tricks Mm -hmm. section of Back in My Play magazine. So stick around. We'll be right back with that. All right, welcome to the Awesome Four segment of episode 25, where we are done talking about Metal Storm. So if that's what you came for, this is when you can kind of go and listen to something else. We get a lot of other episodes you can check. Go listen out. to Player One. There yeah. you go. You can listen to Player One podcasts uh, as well. They talk about old games on there sometimes. Uh, so you go listen man. to Big Country. Man, yeah. I'm I'm getting CJ to find a, a chiptune version of Big Country this week to put on the show because yeah, Good deal. seriously, I, I demand it. Yeah. All right, so I want to talk to you guys about a bunch of retro-related stuff. First thing that I want to hit on, and that will bring me into the first subject, is the uh, video series that I'm working working on that is a uh, title that I'm thinking of either the state of retro or the best retro, where I'm going to be telling you the best way to play old video games, whether it's on current hardware or whether it's how to get modified or updated versions of the old hardware so you don't have to deal with the constraints that they had back then. So it's just it's a series of you playing games on the Retron 5? Is that the... No, and I'm going to bring this up real quick because we even got a question about this on Twitter, and I was listening to the last episode with you guys uh, on player one and i'm like these guys don't buy this thing like why don't buy it it's, I, okay. it's not gonna be good you know here's the deal here's the deal it's android emulation i uh yeah it's android it's yeah, running it's android. android it's android based it's, it's 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 using the emulators that they are also used on cell phones ever. see the the thing with me the thing oh, then we're gonna start dragging them through the mud and i don't really want to do that but yeah, they're nice guys. By they're, all no, it's they, fine, uh, but it's, it's just. But they've been no. But the thing is, is that they have not done a good job of this because the, the thing's been so delayed. And I think the last major promise was it'll be out in April, and here we are. We're recording on May what third, um, mm-hmm. and there's still no word about when they're going to be released. The other thing is too that I'm curious about is I actually pre-ordered and paid for mine back in September when it was still a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Now it's 140 dollars, but I don't know how that's working exactly. Where did you pre-order? Amazon. The, I think Amazon will honor it no matter what. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, they'll just eat $50. Well, then I might just grab it either way. I'll, I'll, you might I'll, as well at that point. 
all I'm saying is like, I think there's definitely a market for this stuff. I mean, if you just look at, I mean, the Retronauts being a huge podcast, this podcast is picking up steam. Like there's tons of videos on YouTube talking about old video games and things like that. Clearly people want to play their old games on HDTVs. So I think yes. there's, there is a, a market that is willing to pay for it. Um, but Again, I would just say I would just say wait because you you had things like the the neo it's not them but the, when the Neo Geo uh, X came out like that was supposed to be really awesome too but the emulation was garbage on it like it was a a bad device and no one bought it a lot of people returned it and the only concern I have is you know people out there you know giving money to hyperkin before they see you some reviews of it and i would be the first one because i don't to be honest i i like having the xrgb frame meister thing but it's not really awesome and it's not great to have eight consoles hooked up to my tv because it takes up a lot of space and having like a game boy advance player like even just that is a huge selling point like being able Mm -hmm. to play game boy games on my tv if it emulation is good and they can have a good build quality, I will buy one. I'm not going right. to like say outright, but it's you know another thing where you know they they made a lot of promises in the past, and it hasn't really uh, they had, their products really haven't lived up to it. So I hope they can hit a home run, but I'm just I, concerned. I'm totally. I mean, that's that's kind of the way I'm going. I've never bought. I've I've always kind of turned my nose up at the whole uh, you know emulated console thing. Um, and it, it, I know that the Retrons have been out for a while, and there's there's a bunch of other ones that do that too. But with this one, that was basically it. It's like I've got a pretty big library for pretty much every console they've got listed on this thing. Um, and I just don't – I'm not getting those systems modded. All those systems are in – all those systems are really in storage. Um, and, you know, like I don't have a, a house that's big enough that I have a – I can have a room where I have like an old CRT hooked up and all that sort of thing. It's just it's just not feasible. Whereas with this, I feel I feel like if this, if this is even halfway decent, it's one device that I can plug one plug into the wall. Mm-hmm. I can plug one HDMI cable into it, and it it covers what like eight systems, all of which I have big libraries for. As long as the emulation is okay, I'm I'm down with that. Yeah, it actually covers the NES, Super Nintendo, Super Famicom, Genesis, Mega Drive, Famicom, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and the GBA. And, and the master system, impressive. if you have the if the, you have the master or the base, oh yeah, the converter. adapter. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, power base converter. Power base. Converter. Those are expensive too. Uh, yeah, but I have one. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, like that's I was, the thing. I was like, one. I still have like ten Mega Drive uh, game or sorry, Master System games that I don't have anything to to play it on. I will at some <laughs> point. Um, you, you know, again, I think it is an an interesting product if they can hit a home run with it. But from the delays, just the the, the track record and things like that, yeah. I, I would just like I said, wait for some reviews out there and um, things like things that would bug me might not bug other people. Like having sound issues with the emulation of games would drive me nuts because I love like part of the enjoyment of playing these old games is like hearing those awesome soundtracks or hearing sure. the great sound effects and uh if if it cannot emulate that stuff properly i'm like what am i even doing this for i'd rather just mm-hmm. you know hook up my computer and hook up a usb controller absolutely on there i mean that, that and that's to me honestly like emul like pc emulation is really how i've gone so far but if if i had my way i would have like a, a tr- an old trinitron crt or something mm-hmm. hooked up with my old consoles connected to it and and someday if and when we ever live in a place where i can have a room like that or 
you know, when I kick my kids out and make them move out and go to college and everything, I might take over one of their rooms. But for now, uh, this is this is my alternative. I'll even reach like when this thing comes out, like I'll reach out to them and, and I love to to talk to those guys and talk about the process that they went through to to get this thing together because uh like you said, they've hit some roadblocks. I mean it they're they're it's almost been ed delayed for I guess a, a year now or two thirds. It's supposed of a year. to be out then at the end of last year. It was mm-hmm. supposed to be out. Yeah. Okay. They said that they're not gonna say any more release dates at this point. No, and I mean it's it's their Facebook page that you normally follow and I think the I haven't checked it in about a week, but the last time I went and checked on it, there was one of the guys from there who had just come back from China. Um and now their latest thing is that the demand is too high. So now they're waiting until they have enough to cover demand, which just it didn't they need some PR people. They everything they say just they dig themselves deeper and yeah. deeper with their, with the, these people who have already pre-ordered and prepaid for these things like they need to just get them out the door fast. Mm-hmm. Bottom line, you're right. Anyways, yeah, so uh, there's going to be a video series on how to play like old stuff on the actual hardware themselves. One of the things that I'm going to be focusing on to start is uh, the awesome uh, community for remodding old Game Boy Advance consoles. And not the SP model, but the original <laughs> Game Boy Advance because uh, I am an adult I am six feet tall, and my hands on the Game Boy SP uh, do not work very well because you get hand cramps uh, because mm-hmm. you, the controls are so close together and things like that. The GBA, the original model, is like perfect. Like it is a really uh, great feeling console. And what people are doing now is they're actually getting from China, uh, they're getting new shells. And the shells themselves, like I bought consoles from two different sellers because I wanted to make sure, like, are they all using the same stuff or not? And how close is it to the original model? So in my hand, I have an original uh, Game Boy Advance, and I also have a backlit model. And the uh, the plastic itself is like looking at it. Sorry, looking at it side by side, they are probably ninety percent close in terms of the color of the plastic. I would say the the re made one from China is a little bit uh, different, but it is the same exact hardware that's in the GBA. So they take an old GBA that has a busted up piece of hardware, they will take that and they'll put it into a new shell, but they will also remove the screen from the original GBA. And what they'll do is they'll use one of the uh, Game Boy SP 101 models that has the backlit LCD. It's like the much better and brighter version uh, that they use in the SP model and it works perfectly and it still gets like 12 hours of battery life. It's not going to get you the 20 that it originally got, but it'll get you, uh, about 12 hours on two double A's and, uh, it is great. The, uh, other thing that they're doing is that you can get glass screens so you can, uh, peel off the front and you can get a glass version. That's more like gorilla glass that they use in the iPhone, Mm-hmm. So it's like 90% more scratch resistant. And uh, if you ever have seen a Game Boy Advance, it probably has a ton of scratches on it, um, the screen itself. And the front of the screen, you can actually just peel it off. Like you just get like a thin screwdriver. You can just get under it and you can peel it right off and then put the new uh, like screen protector. Or really, it's the front of it, even the whole like where it says Game Boy Advance below it. Uh, you can put that on there and get glass rooms glass ones from china for like six or seven dollars and they look exact like again i'm looking at them side by side and the only thing i would say is different is that the black border is a little bit uh not as black it's more of a gray but 
Who hmm. cares? Interesting. Um, and I was playing uh, Metroid 2, and like I'm just loading it up right now, playing uh, Mario Golf, the original, on it, and it plays great. Like the controls feel good, and the whatever factory that they're using in China to get these remade housings, like it's like getting a Dreamcast housing. Um, they do a great job, and I really recommend it. There's a couple sellers on eBay uh, selling this stuff, and a lot of people are just doing it because it's a cheap mod to do. Mm-hmm. And they turn it around for just a little profit. It's 70 bucks, yeah. I mean, the Game Boy Advance consoles themselves will go for like $18. Um, and like I said, they don't need, they just need the inside. That's all that they need. And they need a broken SP that has a working screen. And they just, you know, take the parts and they use a uh, little organ, organ donor thing and they get it working. <laughs> and it's <laughs> And it's great. Like I said, I have two of these things now. And I think they, if you like Game Boy stuff, this might be the best way to play it. Because it plays yeah. Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance. That yeah, on so that great. gorgeous screen, pretty good battery life. Yeah, 12 hours, and I love the Game Boy Pocket. That's probably my favorite of the Game Boys, but uh, playing Game Boy games on this, you obviously have the Super Game Boy capabilities as well. So Metroid 2, like, you know, Samus looks like Samus when you play Metroid 2 and things like that. So uh, mm. that's kind of a sneak preview at that, but I'm also going to be talking about, uh, the Dreamcast and also, uh, the current state of retro on current gen consoles and how to maximize what you're doing because some consoles have much better retro compilations and things like that. Others have better, uh, online stores for, for old games. So, uh, that is that, but go to eBay and just look for backlit GBA and, bunch of people are selling them for like 70 bucks 75 dollars and if you really like this stuff i think it's well worth the investment um, sold <laughs> yeah i would if you guys want one i would jump on them before we put this up <laughs> yep um, i might just do that right now and Game boy games are cheap like most of them are still pretty cheap as long as it's not a pokemon game uh and the zelda oracle in uh, of ages and seasons uh, they're still pretty cheap those are great games uh, yeah they're i mean Man, get in on it. And you can obviously go to the virtual console, which is the next thing I'm going to talk about. Because I bought... Oh, God. I bought a Wii U. Again. Now, I heard that you had a good experience with Nintendo to give them their props in terms of customer service. Well, first thing I'm going to say, Nintendo.com has refurbished Wii U's that are in brand new shape for $199 with Nintendo Land. That's a... That was the thing where, all right, I don't have an excuse because there are other games I want to play and there's a bunch of Wii games I want to play. I'd rather not buy a Wii. I'm just going to get a Wii U. So uh, I ended up picking that up with a refurbished controller, uh, Wiimote and uh, Nunchuck, Wiimote Plus. Unfortunately, the Wiimote Plus did not work. It actually had reversed. Like if you went left, it went right. And if you went right, it went left. So like the gyro was reversed or whatever on it. So Mm. um, and this is my third Wii U because I'm horrible about buying consoles and when I'm like, there's nothing I want to play on them, I just get rid of them. And that's why I like Sony's setup where I can just kind of move my stuff from whatever console I want without having to go through Nintendo Network ID bull crap. But um, (laughs) although it's still crap, you have to wait after you call Nintendo, you have to wait like 48 to 72 hours to get that stuff transferred to the new console. They carried content from three, uh, two Wii U's to the third Wii U, um, and every time I talk to them, they have the best customer service. They have the nicest people I've ever talked to 
in customer service, whether it be for video games or anything else. The people there are fantastic. If they are, you know, waiting for you to do something, they'll like talk to you about games and uh, they just always seem happy and super polite. So that is the mm-hmm. best customer service I've ever had in video games. I don't know if you guys have had to deal with Nintendo, but they are, they've been great. I have actually, yeah. Um, my original Wii broke about a month after I got it um, during the first firmware update that added the internet browser back in 2006. I was super excited mm-hmm. and I updated it and sort of the system messed up and would never turn back on again. And they were very kind to me and set me up with virtual console points and all sorts of good stuff. And uh, yeah, just really easy to talk to. Like you said, they talked about games. So that really goes a long way. And I think that there's plenty of companies that miss that, that whole idea. I'm not going to name names, but well, there are plenty of companies. You're not calling that- to India. <laughs> you're not calling to India. You're calling to Seattle. Right. And that, that alone makes a big difference. But also, they don't approach it from like a, that, that it's a conflict when they talk with you. They approach it as, oh, okay, no, let's just figure this out. Yeah, they're so good. Like, oh, like, I'm, I'm so sorry. And they're just like, it's just I, at the end of every call, I literally, I've never done this ever in my life. At, every, at the end of every call, I just said, this is the best customer service call I've ever had in my life. Thank, I, I, because I think they deserve to be credited for that at least because it is uh, something that if you call Comcast, it's not always the you know, easiest phone call. And sometimes even if you're calling in America, it's like you know, someone who doesn't want to be doing that job right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, and I you can't can hear, imagine why. Well, yeah. it's a, it's <laughs> a horrible job. Yeah. It's, it's a horrible job, but obviously Nintendo – has either trained these people great or they're treating them really well. Um, or they yeah, just really line. love talking about Nintendo every day. So <laughs> if there's anyone at Nintendo listening, thank you for just being really good about that. Um, uh, thank you, Bill Trennan. I'm going to start shouting out to him every there you episode. Go. Yeah, yeah let's, let's get him on the show. I know he can't yeah. come on the show. but um, Bill, thank you. So yeah, they got my, even the, the bundled Wind Waker that came with my Wind Waker console, I was able to download that. Um, so they basically did the same thing. I'm like, well, actually, if we're just doing this, can I do this on my 3DSs too? Because I had like virtual console games that I bought on current or old 3DSs and I have a 2DS now. So they just kind of like brought everything from my other 3DSs onto the 2DS as well. So I was able to re-download like the virtual console games I bought. So they're, they have like almost the same system as Sony, but you just need to jump through a couple hoops to get to it. Um, so yeah, and eventually they'll get that, I'm sure, where you don't have to go through customer service because I would have to think that that takes up a lot of their time and resources. Yeah, these calls were like 45 minutes to an hour yeah. long. Right, yeah. So, I mean, it would have to be cost-effective for them to not do this in the future. I don't care, but like this is the stuff, like when, when Sony does really good stuff with, with indies and like with the communities, like this is where, man, I just feel, I, I want to give you money right now. Like I, I want to give you money Give me something to, that I can pay for because uh, I feel like you guys have really earned my, you know, my cash. And sometimes you don't always get that with Reggie talking to the press or something like that, or uh, at an E three conference where they don't really show anything that is for you. Uh, but this is one of those cases where uh, psychologically they got me wanting to buy Nintendo stuff. Hmm. Um, what did we said for that? And I bought Nintendo Remix too. Uh, I don't know, guys. Uh, I don't know, guys. Let me give you guys... I'm not even going to talk about it because I think... I don't know what you guys are seeing in that game. Uh, you're talking to me? Like I it. would not spend... No, I wouldn't spend a penny on it. 
Okay, Josh, I don't know what you're seeing in that game. Um, I see a little bit of WarioWare. I see some so, just some weird <laughs> modding stuff going like on. Alternate like, lyrics to Mambo number five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, where's Lou Bega? Some on the show. Talk about old yeah, music. Yeah, at me all the time, dude. So I'll get him on. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I just I see sort of a cross between WarioWare and ROM hacks, and I like it. It it takes forever to get started. I do agree with that criticism. That's legitimate. Um, you guys were talking about that on Player One last and it's week. Slow. Mm. It's just like it, there's no rhythm to it. Um, I I don't know though. Like when it's a game that you actually like, and and you're going and doing some of that stuff. Um, it's just like having it mixed up like that. I know remix. Yeah, that's the whole point. But um, <laughs> having characters appear in games that they didn't appear in. I mean, even though it's just a sprite swap or a palette swap, whatever, it's cool. That that is the honestly the remix stuff is is the upside to that game. I'm not going to say I don't enjoy that. Um, I think it's kind of neat that Nintendo's having fun with their with their their products like that. But mm-hmm. everything that surrounds it is just like. Why am I even uh, giving you money for any of this? Like I, I just I don't know. I I really really did not enjoy the first one, and and uh, I knew I wouldn't like the second one. I ended up watching some of the the Giant Bomb first look actually. And no offense to Brad uh, Shoemaker, Shoe, Shoemaker is that how he says his last yeah, name? Yeah, yeah. I've actually known him for years back when we were all in, like vid games and the chat channels and stuff. But he's really bad at those games. It was hard to watch. Um. But like you know, you're watching like the challenges they have for Metroid. Brutal, just brutal. Like you know, make brutal it across this room. Just boring well, as anything. I think it's I think it's hard to play that stuff if you play nothing but current gen and you never go back to to that because I mean you must you're still playing a lot of Genesis stuff for whether for, oh, for yeah. Generation sixteen or you're still yeah. playing old video games where but I I was actually talking about the, the the actual the actual events themselves not even Brad's playing of them but it's just okay, like yeah. you know like get across this room or use the ice beam to climb up these three walls or now grab this special item it's just like these are these are terrible these aren't fun they're not interesting they're they're tutorials that's oh thank you. I that's actually the next thing I was going to say I was going to say I felt like I was playing tutorial of the game yeah the remix stuff is where it's at but I don't think there's a your points are fair, but like when you unlock the remix stuff, and I'm into stamps, okay? Like I know CJ. Oh, see, okay, man. (laughs) So you and CJ should just start their own. You guys should just start your own podcast because you agree on all this stuff. Well, we both live in the South, and we uh, like a lot of (laughs) the best things. Must be the Nintendo South sector. Do a Nintendo South podcast or something. Okay, okay. Jeez, Adult Swim. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyways, what? Come on, we're giving him a plug. <laughs> <laughs> I just said I don't swim. That's all I said. Oh, man. Well, you guys did plug the crap out of this show last week, so I'm sure we can <laughs> pay it back a, a little bit. Yeah, um, there, was, there was just a little bit of that. Okay. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about. And so NES th- Remix Two is good. Okay. Next. Well, this is the dumb thing: is I bought NES Remix One and Two, the Japanese version. You're out of your mind. I, I, I noticed that. Well, I had I had an opportunity. I went through. I was importing a bunch of stuff. I bought a bunch of soundtracks from Amazon Japan to, and sent it to my buddy's house over there, along with a, a lime green and white Vita uh, 2000. And I'm like, well, that's out. So I'll buy that and buy the book. <laughs> like under similar items, I saw a book that was all about NES Remix, and it came with stickers. That book looks pretty sweet. I so, will give you that. So, I, mm-hmm. and that was only eight eight dollars. So I figured for 
about 34 bucks, I got a cool looking box that I, with a game I can never play <laughs> and <laughs> it showed up. <laughs> I've had a weird week. Like I said, I bought three Game Boy Advances. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm an idiot when I buy stuff. Um, Is this like a clay fighter? I, well, I need to thing? get married because I need someone to tell me, Kevin, stop. What you, what See you what's going to happen is you'll end up I hiding need a wife purchases. To, yeah, that's yeah, happen. that's what you'll do. Trust Not me. Not that I'm speaking from experience or anything like that, but you'll end up hiding those purchases because it's much easier to beg forgiveness. So, yeah, the it's um, true. I'm I'm definitely back on the uh, deep into the Vita stuff right now. I somehow I played like ten hours of Persona Four Golden, and uh, I just put it down for six months, and I played another ten hours in the past week, and that is the best game. It's the, yeah, it is. It's the best it game. is. Um, but like, I don't really like RPGs all that much. But those games are just always so creative, and they just mess with the conventions and storytelling Great conventions and games. Too. Yeah, I, who does that? Does Atlas. Atlas do that themselves? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they do the localizations. Well, yeah. I mean, that's what they do. Okay. Well, I mean, uh, they've gotten they've kind of expanded into some other things though over they, they, time. They have. I know one of the guys that is a translator at Atlas. Like that's they basically just find games and they have a team of translators that then translate the games. I actually cool. met I met him at an arcade shop in Japan. Right on. Yeah. Right on. But yeah, P4G man. So I just I felt like I needed to mention that because it's still it's. It's the greatest game. If you haven't played it, it's on sale for like $14 on the Golden Week sale or whatever it is on PSN. That's a there's a really they've got a really good sale going. Mm-hmm. How, what did you buy? I bought it. I bought like I got to go back four, and look and see things. what's actually available. Anybody who doesn't have a Vita needs to get oh um, the Hot Shots Golf game um, because it's the Vita version ported to the PS3 with um better graphics. I would recommend that. Oh really? That. Can, is that what yeah. it is? That's exactly what it is. It's world imitational. Can you do cross save or whatever? Or cross- you can't do cross save, uh, but you can play against people who are using the Vita. The Vita so, version's super cheap too. I saw it at Toys R Us for like twelve dollars. That's a well, great it's a game. launch game, so it makes yeah. sense. Yeah, that it's cheap now. It does. Yeah, World Invitational is on sale. Nice, five bucks for PS Plus. Yeah, Metal Gear. God. I got Metal Gear Two and Three for Vita for like $8. yeah. The HD collection's really cheap. I know I bought some, but it must not have been. Oh, I, I grabbed Zone of the Enders collection actually for ten bucks. Nice. I've never and played those. I there was something else. I, I, I enjoyed those games. Yeah. Uh, I grabbed something else too. I forget what it is. You so know what would be stuff. funny is if they gave when you bought the Zone of the Enders um, HD collection, if they gave you Metal Gear Solid 2's <laughs> demo in HD. <laughs> that that would have been smart. Yeah, that would be good. That's something yeah. dumb that Kojima would do. I think yeah. so. Um. Uh, another thing I wanted to mention, uh, a lot of shirts have been going through the mail and been showing up at people's houses. So uh, those are turning out great. The quality has been fantastic from Teespring, and we're definitely going to be doing another run of those down the road. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention is that I actually wore that shirt into a GameStop earlier in the week and then ended up having like a 30-minute discussion with the clerk about Sega Genesis stuff. And Greg, you'd like him because... He says, he says, uh, oh no. He asked me, oh, well, you got, well, we, on the shirt, we have three consoles. We have the NES, the Super Nintendo, and the Genesis. Don't think I haven't noticed. Yeah. And he goes, what do you, what would you, like, if you had to pick one out of those three, what would you pick? I'm like, well, you know, probably the Super Nintendo, but that's like the easy choice. And he goes, well, I'd probably pick the Genesis because there was just so many experiences that I could get on the Genesis that you couldn't get on any other console. It's preacher, brother. You know, like, 
man, you, that you're in the right spot. You're working at GameStop. I assume at that point you pimped uh, Generation 16. I did. I sent him. I sent him to. Uh, I'm like, well, you know, we got. Uh, a podcast going it's called back in my play that's you know it's on the shirt and you know we also have like guests on like i said you know if you heard have you heard of player one he's like oh he's like i don't listen to podcasts and i said what he, he doesn't listen to podcasts what does he do he said he used, time? To, he used to what listen he <laughs> well he's working at gamestop they put I, in I, lots of hours <laughs> is he just alone with his thoughts he was working by himself at the time and i was the only person in the store so um, uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, we're going to be doing more Google Hangouts at some point. Uh, <laughs> people have been asking. I've been getting actually emails from a couple people like, can I come on the show and be on an episode? And uh, I think the best way no. we're going to remedy that is to do Google Hangouts and record that where it is going to be like a uh, almost like a city hall meeting <laughs> where we're <laughs> I'm serious where like we'll we'll see who, who's if people are like waiting in line we'll kind of give you five minutes and we can talk about like five ten or ten minutes or whatever we'll just talk about whatever you want to talk about in terms of retro games and okay. then we'll hang up on you and let the next person come on so everyone <laughs> can have their own like five minute episode I kind of, I kind of like that idea actually. When you said city hall, I just imagine that we all have to like come to a consensus on something at the end. Yeah, we're gonna stop letting the kids read, you know, Catcher in the Rye. Yeah, and the Quiet Storm with Kevin Larrabee. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna just record those with the lights off too. It'll just be the <laughs> yeah. the, the light of my monitor lighting up my face. But um, to to keep up to date with that stuff, just make sure that you're following back in my play. On Twitter, and also, um, you know, I'll always post on uh, my Twitter as well if that's going to happen. And we have a NeoGAF thread where I usually update that before we go live. So, if, the, if that's how, if you want to talk to us about games, like I'm all for, you know, just casually talking about old stuff. If techno you wanna, man, maybe not tech. Oh, you mean techno man? Um, techno man, yeah, He's yeah. Always in the GAF thread. Yeah, no, we have we have a great uh, great fan base. So. Um, we'll do that. And we had some good discussions with George on like our random hangout a couple weeks ago. So, oh yeah, George. Uh, uh, we'll be doing that. There's also a Go Go Curry that opened up in Cambridge, Massachusetts, or that's going to be opening up on May 5th. And if you've listened to our Japanese episodes, uh, that's something that I've talked about a lot. It is the best food on the planet, and they just happen <laughs> to be opening one of the five U.S. locations right outside of Boston. So. We are going to, or I'm going to do like a, a back of my play meetup. Like already five people have emailed me about it when I posted on Twitter. So uh, we're going to do like a Boston meetup probably in two weeks where just come, we'll get some food and we'll talk about games. And uh, there's a retro game shop that I know nearby that we can stop by and he'll be super happy to have people coming in there and buying stuff. So uh, <laughs> we can do that. Uh, like I said, there's a lot to go down. So sorry. Um, and also... There's going to be uh, continuing in interviews and stuff like that outside of the the regular episodes. Uh, I've already confirmed some stuff, like I mentioned off the air with you guys. David Kushner, uh, author of Masters of Doom, I talked to him yesterday, so that episode is going to be coming up midweek. And also, uh, Mike Micah and I are going to jump back on Skype to finish up the series on ports as well next week. Lots of stuff going on next week. Um, Talked to Kirk Collada about doing Jackie Chan's Action Kung Fu for the Turbo Graphics. Awesome. Yeah, he is games. so great. Yeah. I don't know if you were saying awesome about the game or Kurt Collada. Both. But yeah. Both. Yeah. Kurt, Kurt knows what he's talking about. Um, sure does. Also, uh, Mega Man 3 with uh, Phil Theobald, who's also on the Player One podcast, is going to be coming up as soon as 
Uh, things calm down with him. What's the verdict on Phil Theobald? What do you think, Greg? Short. He's all right, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. He's a good dude. I, I, I would not I, he record is truly with him funny. during May. Not during May? No, not during May. Hmm. Okay. You'll, 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 you'll get endless Star Wars jokes about May the 4th, May the 4th. and 5th, and it's just... Oh, that's what that Twitter thing is about? <laughs> the emotional scars run deep. Yeah, that's what that is about. Yeah. He does it every year because it gets funnier every time. <laughs> Nothing like a joke killer. Um, I just want to yeah. have him on, and uh, I, I appreciate his voices. I know some people find that annoying, but I love <laughs> the Bane voice and the Milo voice. Um, he's just Josh loves loving things. I love Lamb loving you. Nice. Um, oh man, we okay. And also, uh, we I've looked I love at our country. I've, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, I'm, I'm sorry to to cut you yeah. off here, but I can hear my family coming home outside. So yeah. prepare. There's okay. going to be noise, just we, so you know. We have like three minutes left. Okay. Uh, so the other thing that I want to mention is that I looked at our downloads for most downloaded episodes, and two out of the top five were the Japanese shopping episodes, and uh, it seems like people really like that stuff. So I'm going to be uh, doing one with Steve Lin, who is literally just getting back from Japan, to uh, do a like Japan Shopping 101. Like These are the stores to stop at depending on your location. This is what you should be looking at for prices, and this is what you should be buying before uh, things get crazy. And that reminds me, I forgot to mention, this is a public service announcement for people out there to buy current-gen stuff right now. If you want Wii games, buy it right now. If you want PS3 games, 360 games, buy that S right now because prices are super cheap on Amazon. I bought a ton of like $10, $15 games uh, that are just like gonna be classics. And you can tell... Um, in my voice that I'm very excited about this because <laughs> buying stuff is a lot of fun. So okay. Demon Souls would be a smart game to pick up probably. Kirby's Mass Attack is one I picked up. Um, original Mario Galaxy to make sure I have that. Um, mm-hmm. Persona 4 Arena. Um, there's just, just, I have a wish list full of stuff. Even I, I wanted to go back and listen to the, the Player One episode you guys did about the like best Wii games because um, that is a <laughs> library that's really full of some hidden gems. Oh yeah, and, uh, definitely had some good stuff on there. So, um, that is, and some of it's like the, some of the Nintendo stuff is getting hard to find. Like I bought the last copy of Punch Out at my local Target for twenty dollars, um, like regular price. Where that is shooting up to like thirty five dollars on Amazon now from third parties because it's uh starting to not show up. Sonic Generations for PS three and three sixty is sixteen dollars on Amazon. Um, yeah, and that, I mean, mm. that's why I bought it on PS3 is because we were talking about it last time I talked to you, and like, I'm never gonna go and boot camp on my MacBook. So, no. Um, I think that is it. That was that was a ton of stuff. But uh, the cool thing about this is that we're gonna be doing another episode in a couple days with uh, David Kushner from Masters of Doom, and then potentially next episode is gonna be Mega Man Three with Phil. And then uh, Jackie Chan's Action Kung Fu with Kurt Collada. So we're going to be jumping all over the consoles and platforms and all that stuff. But before we wrap up, uh, Greg, obviously, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people check out some more of your stuff and what you've been working on? Uh, sure. You can check out uh, the weekly gaming podcast I'm on, uh, Player One Podcast, which is at playeronepodcast.com. Uh, and you can follow the Twitter account uh, at P1, the numeral one podcast. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Seward, S-E-W-A-R-T. And if you like old video games and 
you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you didn't like old video games. Learn about the Mega Drive, mm. the true best 16-bit <laughs> system ever made uh, with Generation 16, which uh, has its own website now, generation-16.com. I'm currently working on episode 12, uh, but you can check out that website for updates and some imagery and stuff like that. Uh, so you'll see how that episode is progressing, and then you'll be the first to know when it gets published. Would you ever cool. do like a, a Blu-ray version of that? I would that so do a Blu-ray with? version of that, but I, I think there's probably some rights issues around that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I just want to see, like, I know you have like really high quality versions of those on YouTube, but I'm just kind of thinking, um, like getting really super high quality. Um, and actually if, I mean, I don't usually bring that up, but, uh, if you want 60 frame per second versions of those episodes, uh, archive.org, look okay. up generation 16 hmm. on archive.org. I, I upload a high quality version every single time uh, Great to that as well. That's yep. a, yeah, awesome call. Um, Josh, what do you have coming up? Are you working on anything cool? You got um, obviously you can follow Greg at uh, Seward S E W A R T on Twitter as well. Uh, for me on Twitter, it's at Joshua Hillier. That's two L's in Hillier. I uh, I have a few projects in the works. I'm I can't talk about a lot of them right now for various reasons when I'm working with other people. But uh, I do have a video games writing company called Bonus Star Consulting, and BonusStarConsulting.com is the website. Um, what I do is I come in and write whatever you need written for your games. I um, I'm, I'm a writer anyway. That's what I spend the that's vast like, majority of my time doing. That's your real job. That's like what you do. Right, right. Absolutely. You're not just doing this. You're not just writing a. Uh, you don't have a MySpace page and writing <laughs> stuff on there. You you actually do this. So yeah, I think yeah for indies so. out there and stuff like that. If you're doing like indie games, that's what you're kind of focusing on right now, right? Absolutely, yeah. Just trying to get my foot in the door right now with with more companies. So um, I mean, I'll write the entire backstory. I'll write all of your dialogue. I'm really good at dialogue. Just just whatever it is you want, I'll, I'll write it. And he's played Persona 4, so you know he knows what good dialogue is. Mm-hmm. There you go. Mm-hmm. I watch a lot of movies, too. <laughs> and I actually read books, so <laughs> there's that, too. The books are for suckers, man. I know. I don't know what's wrong with me, except for Masters <laughs> of Doom. You guys recommended a ton of books in the latest Player One. Yeah, um, I, I'm nuts about uh, gaming history books, so I've got a fairly... Fairly decent sized collection. There's a couple um, I'm going to pick up after hearing those recommendations. Yeah, and I noticed we were talking about this on Twitter. And I don't think TJ Lowerman was totally serious when he brought it up, but I saw that you jumped on, and I would love it. Uh, that new book mm-hmm. that's coming out, uh, Console Wars, in two weeks' time. Yeah, I, I'm dead serious about it. So whoever wants to do that, I'm I'm going to read the book right away when it comes out. Dead serious about it. Whoa! <laughs> but I, I'm really excited about it too. Them? Yeah, man, me too. Um, shout out to TJ Lowerman. Good dude. That's yeah. sports gamer. He likes That's Zelda too, gamer. man. Um, there's nothing wrong with Zelda 2. There's nothing wrong there's with nothing Zelda. right with it, though, either. Oh, man. No, but what that, are you doing? Did you do a Zelda 2 episode yet? No, because uh, John Ricardi keeps telling me I have to come to Japan to do it. Oh, what does he know? But he he they they were the like original ones, like, yeah, you know, we got to do Zelda 2. Like him and uh, Mark were saying Zelda 2. I'm like, for I. That's a, that's a long trip to talk about Zelda 2. Skype's you know pretty what? good. Tell them to come to America. How about that? <laughs> yeah, come to Boston, Massachusetts. Yeah. 
Mm. Um, no, but they've, they've been great. Like I, uh, I, I've talked about it on the show before, but, uh, the show wouldn't be what it is without having, uh, you know, help from you guys or player one, helping get the word out about the show, obviously coming on the show. And, uh, same thing with those guys, you know, uh, allow me to talk about old stuff on, on their show. And, uh, you know, I guess it's a good trade off for me constantly bringing them stuff from America. Um, <laughs> but it is uh, a huge testament to everyone that's been on the show, whether it's, uh, you or, or, or CJ and even Kurt Collada, uh, coming, coming on, we've had, uh, so much, uh, our, we've been so fortunate for, for having great people on. And, yeah. uh, if you told me we we're almost at our year anniversary, if you told me this would happen a year ago, I'd be like, you're crazy. Um, but the show has been a great success for thanks to you guys. And thanks to our fantastic audience. Um, as when well, will so. the one year mark be, Kevin? Uh, June six, I think. Okay, excellent. Like excellent. Month, we'll have to do something. Um, yeah, let's talk about old games. Um, yeah, it's a good idea. Yeah, we'll talk. So uh, that is uh, it. Actually, mention of eight four. There's so many great Japanese books on video games that are only available in Japanese. Like I have one that's all on portables. Uh, there's one that's all on uh, the Famicom. And, and things like that. Like I wish people would start translating those and bringing them over here because uh, like they did it for the Zelda book. Um, but I, I would hope that they would start doing some more of that. So uh, maybe you can learn Japanese, Josh, and start translating stuff. There you um, go. Yeah, I have time. Okay. So th- that is going to do it. Speaking of our fantastic audience, um, don't forget to follow all of us. You can follow me at Kevin Larrabee on Twitter and uh, the best way you can support us right now, we keep getting people like saying like, you know, like I love the show. Like, how can I support you? The best way to do that is to a buy t-shirts when we have them up on Teespring and then B uh, going on to iTunes, submitting a review, subscribing on there and help spreading the word of the podcast. Like if you guys like this, tell your friends about it, help spread the word. And that's really going to, you know, help us stay excited and see like, yeah, you know, people are actually enjoying the stuff. They're actually listening to the show. Um, so, Again, that is the best way to to help us going forward, and hopefully uh, we'll have some interesting stuff to announce in terms of the Portland Retro Game uh, Expo uh, soon. And uh, if you're going to be going to that, or at least thinking about it, you might want to look at your calendar because I think uh, we will be there at some point. So uh, thanks, as always, for listening. And don't forget to check out backofmyplay.com. Player One Podcast. Don't forget to check out Generation 16. Check out, uh, what's the book called? Sorry, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Train of Thought. Train, I knew it. I, I, I was thinking okay, tra- trains. <laughs> I was going to say um, Ghost Train. Yeah, it's, it's called Choo Choo. Write that book. Write Ghost Train. That's an, that'd be an awesome book. I don't care okay. what's it about. Just go, uh, Ghost Train the book. All right. Uh, sure. That's it. Thank you for enjoying our super long four segment. Hopefully you'll come back with some feedback. Go to the backofmyplay.com comment section. Submit feedback on there. We're always interested to hear what you guys have to say. I'm done talking. I'm going to go take a break and uh, fall asleep. Have a great week. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.